Happy Easter. So how you been? <laughs> Do you know it's been two years since we were able to enjoy an Easter celebration in this place? And uh, that's kind of weird when you think about it. It's been 24 months since we were able to gather together and celebrate Easter. So there's something about being here and being together that feels good, and it is great to have all of you here with us. We've got a great crowd down in our kids' wing, and our Hispanic service is help happening right now as well. We welcome all of you that are joining with us online, and we wish you a happy Easter as well, and uh, it is just great to have you here. But it's been two years since an Easter celebration, and, uh, and, and you know that last Sunday, just a couple weeks ago, we opened our kids' ministry again for the first time in a year. It had been 12 months, so, you know, they're a little concerned. Have the kids, you know, maybe lost a story or two along the way? Where, 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 are, where are they at? And so the teacher asked when they started, you know, what is Easter? The little guy raised his hand. He said, Easter is when we have the whole family over for a big turkey dinner and we watch a lot of football. The teacher was like, no, no, I think you've got that confused with Thanksgiving. So another little girl raised her hand. She called on the little girl, and the little girl said, I know, I know, Easter is when we run down the stairs and there's all kinds of presents underneath a big tree. And the teacher's like, no, and she's feeling really frustrated. She's like, I, I think you're thinking of Christmas. Finally, another little boy raised his hand, kind of timidly, because he knew, you know, the first two had come off the rails. And so he's like, uh, Easter is when Jesus was crucified and buried in the tomb. Yes, the teacher was so excited until he finished his definition by saying, and then on Easter, Jesus burst out of the tomb, and if he saw a shadow, there were six more weeks of winter. <clears throat> I hope that you have a clue as to what Easter is. I, I have a feeling that you do. I have a feeling that that's why you're here, that's why you're tuning in, and uh, it is awesome to be able to celebrate Easter, but let's be honest today. It has been quite a year, right? I mean, when you consider that it has been a couple years since we've gathered together for an Easter celebration, and you consider where we were last Easter, let me just ask you a real personal question. Have you taken a few minutes at some point in the past few days or weeks to just take stock of where you're at? How, how have you coped? How have you made it through? How have you done in the past 12 months? I, I hope you haven't forgotten the truth of Easter, but can I, can I give you three possibilities that I think actually nearly all of us in here today and, and all even watching online, I, I think for the most part, if we were real and raw and honest, we'd fall into one of these categories. The first thing is that maybe, maybe for you, life is still just a little bit out of sync. There's a rhythm to life. Have you noticed that? I mean, haven't you? There are some of you who, let's be honest, you have brushed your teeth at the same time for approximately the same f past 45 years. There has not been a five-minute variant. You just, there is a rhythmic pattern that we get into no matter what season of life we find ourselves in. And that 
has been disrupted, hasn't it? We've been a little out of sync. We've been knocked out of whack a little bit. Now, I got to be honest, if I'm just telling you from my life, it's easy for me to get out of sync, okay? It does not take a pandemic to throw me off kilter a little bit. Earlier this week, I uh, got up, was doing my normal morning routine, and maybe for you, you kind of fit into this category, I'm not sure, but my wife and I have found ourselves taking far more vitamins than we have before. In fact, I think it's possible. I think it's possible I've taken more vitamins and nutrients and supplements in the past year than I have ever before if you told it all up in my life, okay? And so now, now, in order to make it simple for me, my wife has bought me this little box. And it says, uh, it starts with an S, and then it goes to an M, and a T, and a W, and another T, and then an F, and then an S. And it gives me every day of the week. And she takes those vitamins and puts them in the box. And all I have to do is open the box and take them all, okay? Well, the other day, earlier this week, I poured the pills out of the box into my hand, and I went to pop them in my mouth, and I missed my mouth. <laughs> Does this ever happen to anyone else? I missed my mouth, and I'm like, what in the world? And the, they're all over the place, and I'm like, I don't think the dogs are supposed to take 5,000 mgs of vitamin C. So I am looking all over, picking up my vitamins. I think, you know, maybe one at a time, we better try this. Later in the day, it's time for lunch. And so I, again, have gotten in the pattern of leaving here and just going and having lunch a lot of times by myself. I'll, I'll eat in my car and uh, just, you know, a few minutes away, whatever. And, and I come back. And when I came back, I don't know if you noticed, but there's some work going on on our roof. And uh, we are getting the roof replaced. Praise God. Because if you were here during the rainstorm of a couple weeks ago, you'd see why we need that. Um, but they're replacing the roof. Well, what they do is they take off the old roof and they throw it in these dumpsters. And the dumpsters are huge. I mean, they're the biggest dumpster. You could put your house in this dumpster. And there's these guys. These three guys were up on the roof and they're taking these big pieces and throwing them in the dumpster. And I get out of my car. And there's two dumpsters right next to each other. And so I grab my large diet Coke that I had finished with the ice and everything inside, and I just tossed it at the 800-foot dumpster. It was a little windy that day. It went about halfway and fell on the parking lot, okay? Now, what are you going to do? Well, first of all, I'm the pastor, right? So I've got to go pick it up. Second of all, I've got three guys on the roof that are looking at me. So I walk over there, you know, you ever have that kind of a, you know, embarrassing laugh? <laughs> this has never happened before. And I reach down and I pick up my cup and the cap and the straw, you know, a little bit of ice. I put it back together. And now I'm halfway closer. So I throw it again. It hits the top of the dumpster and falls down. Now they're just standing there. And I'm like, now you got to laugh again, right? <laughs> oh my. It's pretty funny, isn't it? I go up and I pick up my cup and I put it together and now I'm like, I'm slam dunking this thing. And I kid you not, this is not an illustration. This is a true story. I go to slam the thing into the dumpster. The wind picks up the cup and blows it back into the parking lot. I just picked it up and I didn't even look at the roof because by now they've got to be like, this has never happened before. I've been putting on roofs for 20 years. I've never seen this. A little later, my wife and I, she needs to go to Sam's. 
So I'm like, all right, we'll go to Sam's. And I've been waiting for a warm day, right? I mean, have you, you like to pull out the clothes, you know, that you, you can only wear when it's warmer? Alan. Um, and uh, he's all dressed in his Easter festive vest. I love it. And uh, so I, I, I'm like, I got, I got the outfit, you know? And I mean, I got to hang with her. So I'm trying my best. I put on a new pair of jeans, and I got a short sleeve shirt, cherry, and, and sunglasses, you know? And I'm wearing shoes with no socks, because my kids say that's cool. And so, you know, I'm, I'm out walking around the store, and I'm thinking, all right, this looks good for, for spring day. You know, enjoying my time. We, we're there about an hour. We come out of the store with all our stuff. My wife comes up behind me, grabs behind my leg and pulls a large sticker off that shares the size of my jeans. <clears throat> she wraps it up and hands it to me and just says, too cool for school, Bill. <laughs> that is my life, okay? I live life out of sync, all right? But the truth is, let's be honest, life disrupted has definitely been part of your vocabulary in the past 12 months. We've all been a little out of sync, but, but here's one that's maybe, maybe a little more of where you're at, out of answers. Out of answers. I mean, when this whole thing started, I, I, they, they had to talk me into buying a camera. For all of you that a year later are still online with us, we love it. But they had to talk me into buying a camera. I was like, we're gonna be out for what, two weeks? <laughs> Months later. And at some point, didn't you run out of answers? And is it possible that the people that you were even looking to for answers, at times you were like, well, that's your answer now, but that's different than the answer I got back. And we're looking for answers, and we don't get the answers that we're looking for. And what happens a lot of times is we start then at that point making up excuses and making up rationalizations. And we're living without answers. Let me take it one step further. And maybe this is you. For some of you, it's been out of sync. Maybe all of us. For some of you, out of answers. For some of you, how about this one? You're out of faith. You're out of faith. You had faith, and maybe some of you, in fact, you're young enough in your relationship with Jesus that you were like, man, I thought this was it, but boy, I've got some questions now. And that I don't quite get what God is doing, and, and I'm just not sure that I can put my faith in that. And, and maybe even for some of you, <laughs> you have been coming to church since you were in diapers. But if you were honest enough, you'd have to say that the faith that was okay when you were four and five and six, all of a sudden, not so sure at 20 and 30 and 40 and maybe even beyond. You're out of faith. Well, you're in a good spot. Because if you think back, if, if there's a way for you for just the next few minutes to, to kind of transport yourself 2,000 years, and if you put yourself in the position of even the most 
ardent of followers of Jesus. You'd find that there were some that were a little out of sync, and there were some that were out of answers, and there were some that were out of faith. And I want to share with you their story just quickly. I know you've got things to do, but I think you'll be able to relate. And you want to know the difference in their lives? You ready? Easter. Easter is what made the difference. If you've got your Bible or you've got it on your phone or your iPad, I want you to turn with me to the book of John. If you're with us online, there's actually a tab right on your screen that says Bible, and you can hit that and go right to where we are looking today. But I want you to go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And John tells us that early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, you get this when you read John and, and, and Matthew and Luke, you realize that there were actually, there was a group of ladies that went to the tomb. Now, why did a group of ladies go to the tomb? Well, if you really want to know the truth, two men had buried Jesus, and the ladies knew this isn't a finished job. This isn't the way that it should be. And so the ladies went early on Sunday because the Sabbath was over and they went to take care of things. One of the women that goes with them is Mary Magdalene. Now, you read the New Testament, you're going to find there's a lot of Marys, okay? Pretty popular name. And so oftentimes in Scripture, you're going to find that they were tagged with an additional name or an additional phrase. So you've got Mary, the mother of Jesus. In this case, we have Mary Magdalene because she was born in Magdala. And the Bible says that Mary went to the tomb. She found the tomb empty. She ran back to the upper room, this house where the disciples were at. Windows closed, doors locked and barred. They're scared of their own shadow because they think they're next. And she runs back to the room, bursts open the door, and says the tomb is empty. She doesn't really know what she's saying or why it's empty. She just knows it's empty. Peter and John run to the tomb to check it out. They find the same thing. Then John says that Mary goes back to the tomb by herself. So she's been to the tomb. She comes back to the house. Now she goes back to the tomb. Life is just out of kilter for her. Life is out of rhythm for her. Why? Because of what Jesus had done to her. Because of how Jesus had helped her. Because of how Jesus had changed her. Luke, in fact, gives us a little bit more of the account of Mary Magdalene. It says in Luke chapter 8, verse 2, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. Who are the twelve? His disciples. And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. You want to talk about life disrupted. 
When Jesus came on the scene, her life was a mess. She came from a little town called Magdala. Magdala in that day and age and in that culture was known as a city that engaged in a lot of prostitution. And it's a pretty good chance that's where Mary found herself, in the midst of that kind of life. But then Jesus came and he changed all that. And he pulled her past out of her, and he gave her a future. And from that point on, every day had been filled with new teaching and listening to him and watching these miracles and believing that he really was the Messiah. There was something about him. There was a love. There was a grace. There was a mercy. There was a forgiveness that came just from his presence. And whenever he spoke, what a difference. What a difference. But now, her life was out of sync because she didn't know what they had done with Jesus. All she knew was she had watched them place him in that tomb and now he's gone. Where is he? She gets back to the tomb and this is what happens. Starting in verse 11, John 20. Mary stood just outside the tomb, and she was crying. As she cried, she looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white who sat one at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had lain. You have to understand that in those days, especially the wealthy, they were entombed, and that's where Jesus had been put, in the tomb of a wealthy man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. And there was a table there was a place where the body would have been lain and wrapped. And so Mary looks into the tomb and all of a sudden there's an angel at the foot of that place and there's an angel at the, at the head of that place where she had seen them lay the body of Jesus. And the angel spoke to her and said, Woman, why are you crying? Now, sometimes there is theological debate as to whether angels are men or women, okay, in the Bible. And in fact, to be honest, our church, I mean, when we've had Christmas pageants and plays and productions and musicals in the past, we've always had, you know, we, in fact, during this time, we've pulled out the old videos and watched as our little girls became angels, you know, all the glitter and the wings and all that kind of thing. But here's the deal, in the Bible, the angels were men. And this kind of proves it. Because who but men would say to a woman, why are you crying? <laughs> Husbands, you'll get that a little later on. Why are you crying, woman? Why are you crying? In case you're wondering, guys, most of the time, it's you, okay? You're the reason that they're crying. Because they have taken away the Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him, she said. And with these words, she turned and noticed Jesus standing there without realizing that it was Jesus. And Jesus said, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She supposing he was the gardener, said, oh, sir, if you have carried him away, please tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. She looks at Jesus, and she, you've been there. You've been 
crying before, and you, your eyes are blurry, and they're red, and, you, and she's looking probably directly into the sunlight, and all she sees is a figure, and she thinks it's someone who's come to just take care of the garden that surrounds the tomb, and she says, where have you taken Jesus? Can you just tell me where they took him? Why? Because she was not expecting a resurrection. She wasn't expecting Easter. Catch this now. Catch this. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And at this, she turned right around and said to him, Master. Jesus said to her, Mary. Mary. What did she recognize? The voice. Because there'd only been one person who had ever said her name like that. So many of the people that she knew didn't even know her name, didn't even call her by name. And some of the people, in fact, called her by what she had done, what her past was. Jesus was the only one who, when he said her name, there was something about it. And as soon as he says, Mary, she turns. And amidst the tears, she says, Master, Master, because she recognized the voice. There's something about, isn't there, when somebody that loves you says your name, there's something about it. I don't need caller ID. When my wife calls and I hear her voice on the other end of the line and she says my name, I know who it is. I don't need, I don't need to look at my phone when I pick it up and I answer and somebody says, hey dad, I know, I know immediately which one it is. There have been times, for some reason over this weekend, when I've just wished I could pick up the phone and hear him say, son, and know it was my dad. I've heard his voice a million times. I know that voice. <laughs> Listen, you may be out of sync, your life may be in a bit of upheaval, but there is a risen Savior who comes to whisper into your heart this morning your name. Amen. He doesn't say, hey, you. He says, your name. My sheep, Jesus would say, they know my voice. And I call them by name. And her life was so out of sync for days. But then she heard the risen Savior say, Mary. And all of a sudden, everything fell into place. From victim to victor. And, and the, the sad truth is that we live in not just a community, a country, we live in a world that somehow thinks that Christ means to make us lose our freedom. Boy, he wants to put so much restriction 
Man, you give your life to God, He's going to hold you back. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Mary Magdalene had given her life to everything that the world had to offer, and she found herself in chains, and only Jesus could set her free. And you could keep trying all the stuff you want, but until you hear the Savior whisper in your heart your name, you'll never be truly free. Stop living the chained up life of a victim and live in the victory that Easter provides. You say, well, that's fine, Billy, but the truth is I'm a step beyond that. I'm out of answers. John gives to us that story as well. John chapter 20, beginning later in the chapter in verse 24, he tells us of the life of one of Jesus' followers, one of his 12 disciples, a guy by the name of Thomas. And it says in verse 24, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin. Can we stop right there for just a second? When they were having lunch one day and they decided to give each other nicknames, was he like last? And they just didn't want to, you know, they were like, uh, well, you know, he's a twin. Just go with that. I mean, he had to think, can't you come up with something better than twin? But he was a twin. So that's what they nicknamed him. Twin. And Thomas knew. And Thomas, the Bible says, was not with the others when Jesus came on that first Sunday night. And they told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers in them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Even the answers, catch this now, of his best friends would not suffice. I mean, these are the guys that he had lived with and cried with and bled with and ate with for three years. They had seen the extraordinary. They had been part of the miraculous. And they tell him, all of them, he's alive, he's alive. And he says, guys, I'm sorry. That's good for you. But I'm not going to believe your mirage. I'm not going to believe your ghost story until I see him, until he stands in front of me and I can put my hands into the nail scars of his. That's when I'll believe So John says, eight days later. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, okay? They're still, everything's a little, little questionable. They're still trying to figure this out. Even though 11 of them had seen him before, they're still kind of like, eh, not so sure. The doors are locked. And then suddenly, 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 Jesus was with them. Suddenly, Jesus. Have you ever had a suddenly Jesus moment? They, they don't, sometimes they happen in church. I pray that they happen in church. 
I pray that they happen in the midst of worship. I pray that every once in a while there's something that's shared from God's word, from a message that stirs your soul and you just kind of find yourself in the throne room of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But maybe in your case, the way it is for me a lot of times is I'm by myself. Today, today was one of those moments. Me and Jesus just had a moment. And I can't even explain it to you. All I can tell you is my Starbucks was closed and I wanted a Starbucks. It was early, okay? I get here early. So I had to go to Allen and West. And I got my coffee. And there weren't a lot of cars on the road. And I was listening to some music. And all of a sudden, just the reality of what this day means kind of set in. You're like, yeah, those moments have been few and far between. It's all right. Suddenly, Jesus. When you least expect it, Jesus. Even though the doors are barred, the windows of your heart have been locked up, suddenly, Jesus. And there he was. And you want to know what he said? Peace, be still. Because let's be honest, when he shows up unexpected, we're not really sure what to do with it. And so he says, peace, peace, guys. And then you want to know what he does? Well, what would you do? Notice, notice what he does. Suddenly, Jesus is there. And he says, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas. Is that what you would have done? Come on, be honest. No. No, if it's me, I'm going around the whole room, slapping backs, slapping high fives, shaking people's hand. How's the wife and kids? I'm starting, you know, with John and James and Bartholomew. I'm going around the whole room, and then when it's all done, I'm like, so, how's it going, Tommy? Believe me now, what does Jesus do? <laughs> he goes right to Thomas. Right to the guy who has the questions. Right to the guy who hasn't even believed his best friends. He goes to Thomas and he says, here, Thomas. Here. Touch my hands. Check out the wound in my side, Thomas. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe is what Jesus says. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And then Jesus told him, you believe in me because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And is it possible that he was talking about you? Is it possible he was talking about what you've been through in the past year? You see, Thomas went from doubting to shouting. At the beginning of that night, he couldn't believe, but by the end of it, he was proclaiming. He was exclaiming, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, you believe because you saw me. Blessed are those 
who have not seen and still believe. And if you were honest enough today, you would say, you know, I haven't had enough Jesus sightings in the past 12 months. I haven't seen him as much as I would like to. And to be honest, I've got, I've got some questions. I got some pretty serious questions. Listen, that's okay with God. Can I say that again? That's okay with God. He is big enough to handle your questions, but catch this, listen to this. Some of you need this so desperately. At the same time, he is God. We talked a few weeks ago about how God can't help but be God, right? And how there are certain things, even like aspects of his blessing, where if we do something, he has to bless. Why? Because that's what he said he would do. He promised he would. He's God. He cannot help but be God. But in this case, you have to understand that he is big enough, he is powerful enough to handle your questions, but he also knows that right now you cannot handle the answer. Can I say that again? And I'm going to try to at least elicit a little more verbal response than just my precious dear wife. He's God, and only he can handle what he handles. He's big enough. He's powerful enough to handle your questions, but he is also big enough and wise enough and omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent, and he knows that right now you cannot handle the answer. We're not going to get answers to all our questions. Why? Because God knows at this stage we can't handle it. In fact, we might cry foul. He knows. He knows. And all of us, from last Easter to this Easter, we've got people, we've got places, we've got things that just don't make sense. And we don't understand why God didn't step in and why he didn't stop it and why he didn't alleviate it and why he didn't cause it to go this way and why he wouldn't change directions. He's God. He can make that happen. And we don't have answers to our questions. Last year, every Sunday that would go by where this place was empty and hundreds of thousands of churches like it, you got to know that I would be wondering, God, you really know what you're doing here? I mean, it seems to me that you could alleviate this situation. You could change things around. All you have to do is, you know, twitch your nose or say the magic words or something. And we have gone from a pandemic to a summer of social unrest to the chaos and confusion that it caused to a political division. And we sometimes, in our minds, think to ourselves, God, where are you?
I haven't seen you lately. And he comes as a risen savior to whisper in your heart today, blessed are you. Thomas was fortunate enough to see me, but I told him 2,000 years ago, blessed are you. You haven't seen, but you still believe. You still believe. And finally, there's somebody that would say, you know what? Life for me actually goes a step beyond that. And Billy, if I were honest enough today, I'd have to say I'm out of faith. Maybe, in fact, some of you are still, you're still seeking something to put your faith in. And, and, and you, you were there. You were almost there. But then, huh, everything got knocked up in the air. And some of you would say, you know, I've had faith. I've been, I've done the thing, man. I've, I've, I've been where I'm supposed to be. And the truth is you're here today because this is what you do on Easter. You go to church. But if you were honest, you'd say, I don't know, man. Can I give you one more story before we close? And I'll make it quick. I know you've got places to go. Luke chapter 22 and I won't even read the whole thing. You can check it out in Luke's gospel. Luke 22 shares with us the story that Peter basically disowns the Lord. He gets an opportunity to take a stand for Christ, and he messes up. And he rejects, rejects ever having known him or being one of his followers. It's not the same as what Judas did but you'd have a hard time convincing Peter of that. And in verse 60, this is kind of the wrap-up. He's already done it twice. And somebody questions him and says, you're one of his followers. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord that had been spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. You want to know what that means? He wept uncontrollably. He couldn't stop crying. He couldn't stop weeping. And he was wailing and there was no consoling him because Jesus had warned him and he had flat out said no way and yet here it was the dawn of another day and he had denied him three times just like Jesus had warned ever happen in your life what you did what you said the way you reacted, and it was only after that that you were like, oh. it's supposed to be different. That's Peter. That's Peter. And he has a hard time getting control of his emotions because he feels like he has let Jesus down so badly. Can I jump ahead with you just a couple of books, actually, 
in a few days, and you get to Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, Acts is a book that a guy by the name of Luke also wrote. He wrote Luke to a guy by the name of Theophilus. And he said, I've done a lot of research and I know a lot of his followers and I was there for some of it and I am telling you this is the account of Jesus. But in Acts, he says, can I go a step further? Can I tell you what the message of Jesus is doing? And let me tell you how it started. And he starts with Acts chapter two where Jesus sends a promised spirit to be with every one of his followers, his spirit. And in power, they leave that room that they've been locked up in. And they go out to change the world. And even in the next few minutes, a crowd of thousands winds up gathering around where they've been because it's, it's a celebration time for the Jews. And there, there are hundreds of thousands of them there. And all of a sudden, one of those disciples begins preaching in Acts chapter 2. And you want to know what he preached? Jesus. Jesus and him crucified. And the fact that in power he rose from the dead and he is alive and he is able to forgive sin. And it says in Acts chapter 2 verse 40, with many words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Do you want to know who preached that first message? Do you want to know who preached that sermon and to whom those people came to say, yes, I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus, a guy by the name of Peter. And he had gone from rejection to restoration. Why? Because of Easter. Because of Easter. And in fact, John gives us just, John gives us just a little more of that story. And in the last chapter of the Gospel of John, beginning in Chapter 21, starting in verse 5, you read a story about how Jesus is still on the scene and the disciples have seen him, but they're, they're still kind of just hanging together and trying to figure out which direction they're supposed to go and what the Lord wants them to do. And so one night, the guys are like, hey, let's go fishing. Well, let's be honest. Not all the disciples liked fishing, okay? I mean, there was a good number of disciples that were fishermen, but you had guys like Matthew, and every time they took the boat out, I can just imagine him hurling over the side, okay? I mean, he's like, really, do we have to? Yeah, come on, it'll be fun. They go out fishing all night, they don't catch nothing. Nothing! Matthew's like, I hate this. It's a paraphrase, but you'll read it. Finally, they're like, forget it, let's just head in. As they're heading in, they look in, dawn is breaking. The rooster has crowed. <laughs> and they look up and there's a guy on the beach. He's got a fire. And he yells out to them, throw your net on the other side. And Matthew's like, seriously, can we just get in? And Peter's like, wait a second. Wait a second. There's something about that voice. And he remembers three years earlier when Jesus had stepped into his boat and after he had all done cleaning his nets and he'd fished the night before and caught nothing, Jesus said, how about if we see if there's something biting at noon? And Peter's like, seriously, okay. 
And they go out and they caught all kinds of fish. And at that point in time, Peter knew there's something different about this guy. And he remembers that story and he recognizes that voice. And he says, guys, throw the net on the other side. And John tells us they caught so much fish, it took all of them to pull it in. And they started heading for shore. Before they even got to shore, Peter was like, I know who that is. And he jumps out of the boat, as Peter liked to do. And he starts heading in, because there's Jesus. And they get to shore, and Jesus has already made breakfast for them. And they're sitting there eating together. And they get done with breakfast. And John recounts the conversation beginning in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? It was no coincidence, was it? that Peter three times had denied the Lord. And now the Lord gives him three opportunities to affirm his love. And I think by this time, Peter kind of knows what he's doing. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that down deep in my heart, I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And then to top it off, he gives him responsibility. He doesn't just allow him to affirm his love. He says, feed my sheep. I'm going to give you a chance, Peter, to make a difference. But even after Jesus reaffirms him, Peter had to step up and be ready. So the question is this, what about you? Are you ready to step up? Has a risen Savior comes to whisper into your heart, do you love me? The latest statistics would say that after this year we've been through, it's helped to erode a little more of the foundation of faith in our country. But can I tell you something today, friends, whether you're here with us on our campus or whether you're watching with us online, Jesus doesn't come to ask you about the world or about America or about the community that you live in. He comes to whisper your name and ask about you. Do you love me? He didn't say it to the disciples. He said it to Peter. Can I tell you something? No matter how wonderful my parents have been, no matter what they've done in the church, no matter how they started a camp, no matter how many hundreds and thousands of young people have been led into the ministry, no matter what my grandparents did, no matter the Calvary Baptist that they started from California to Michigan, I do not get into heaven because of them. It is a personal relationship. And at some point in time, I had to say yes to Christ. It had to become my faith or it's no faith at all. 
And if you are relying on what you've done in the past or what your parents did or how your grandparents were or what you've accomplished as a family, you are missing out on the fact that Jesus comes and whispers into your heart your name and he says, what about you? Do you love me? I'm not asking about your parents. I'm not asking about your family. I'm not asking about your country. I'm asking about you. Do you love me? And he gives you the chance to respond. He gives you the chance to respond. Isn't it amazing that for one whose life was so out of a sink, he whispered her name. For one who had so many questions and doubts, he went to him and showed him his hands and his feet. And for one who had denied that he was a follower, he had restored and replaced to the position that Peter was promised before. You're going to be the one, buddy. Preach the gospel. And just a few short days later, Peter preaches and thousands get saved. And he comes to you today. Where's your faith? I have a, I have a playlist on uh, my, my phone that I play every Sunday, okay? Like, I am a person who gets into a rhythm. And as soon as I get here, I, I walk around the church and I make sure that things are all right and then I, I go into my office to go through what I'm preaching and I have a playlist that I play every Sunday and every Sunday hits the same playlist. In fact, I'm no better at nicknames than the disciples were. It's called Sunday. <clears throat> and I play those songs and, and sometimes the songs, there's, there's quite a few on there Sometimes they'll move about and there'll be something I haven't heard in a while, but sometimes it seems there are songs that play every week. And one of them is by a group that most of you have ne never heard of. They're a southern gospel group by the name of the Perrys. And the truth is, when Lori and I and my brother Craig were traveling, we never sang with them. We sang with a lot of groups. We never were with the Perrys. But for some reason, I started listening to a couple of their songs. And they have a song called Almost Morning. And I would just about guarantee you that 90% of the Sundays that I come in here, that song winds up playing. And I listen to the words of that song. It's almost morning. Joy will replace the tears. Calm all your doubts and fears. It won't be long till the dawn, tomorrow's another day to live free of all your pain. So don't give up on your faith. It's almost morning. Listen, <laughs> if you don't hear anything else, hear this. It's almost morning. It's almost morning. 
don't you think that amidst that group of disciples and followers of Jesus that were up in that upper room for 48 hours wondering what the future would hold, don't you think at some point somebody, maybe even it was the mother of Jesus, who would say, guys, don't forget what he said. It's almost morning. Give it till morning. The psalmist would say, joy comes in the morning. And on that first Easter, it came in the resurrected person of Jesus Christ. And it comes to you. And you say, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can get back to where I was. I don't know if, can I tell you something? The story of Peter says, yeah, you can. The story of Peter says, Jesus comes to you and says, hey, do you love me? Do you love me? And he calls you by name. You are not defined by what you have done. You are not defined by the bad decisions you have made. You are not defined by what you have or have not accomplished. Jesus doesn't define you by who you are, but because of Easter, Jesus defines you by whose you are. And you have a chance to be his. Why wouldn't you take that opportunity? Bow your heads together with me in prayer. And if you are here today with us, or maybe you're online watching with us, wherever you may be, and there's never been that moment when you have said yes to Christ. There's never been that moment when you have accepted him as your personal savior. I'm not asking you what your grandma did. I'm not asking you what your parents did. I'm not asking you about your family or your friends, even your best friends. I'm asking about you. Has there ever been that moment when you have said yes to him? The most incredible church planter, pastor, evangelist, missionary was a guy by the name of Paul. And Paul would write in Romans chapter 10 verse 9, hey, if if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and if we will just believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Can I ask you, do you want that today? Do you want to know that for sure before you leave here? You can. You don't have to question. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to wonder. You can know. And I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision today. I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer, to confess with your mouth the fact that you do believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he is the risen King of kings and Lord of lords. If that's what you want, I want you to simply pray this prayer in your heart after me. You don't need to say it out loud. He'll hear you. He'll hear you. But if that's what you want, I want you to pray this prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, I do believe you love me. And I believe you came and died and rose again for me. Come into my heart. Forgive my sin and save me. I make you the Lord of my life. In the quietness of this moment, if you prayed that prayer with our heads still bowed, just between you, me, and God, would you just slip up your hand and put it down and say, that's me today, Billy. I prayed that prayer. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Just slip it up and put it down. That's me today, Billy. I prayed that prayer. I invited Christ to come into my life. What about you? Just slip it up and put it down. That's me today. I prayed that prayer. I... Nothing special about you raising your hand. I just want to remember you in my prayers. I may not even know your name, but God does. 
What about you? I look over this group one last time. If you made that decision today, just slip up your hand and put it down. Say, yeah, that's me today, Billy. I prayed that prayer. I invited Christ to come into my life. If you're watching with us online, there's a tab that came up on your screen, and you can simply click that button that says, today I accepted Christ. And before an hour has passed, please know that I'll be praying for you. Would you join me in that prayer, in fact, right now? Father, for these today who have lifted their hands, for the people that we cannot see who are online right now, I thank you for their decision. I thank you, Lord, that they have put their personal faith and trust in you. Lord, I pray you'd do something tangible, something that they can feel or hear or sense or see in the next few days that will help them realize the importance of that decision. And Lord, I pray, I pray that you'd help them to know that they walk today in the newness of life that you provide because of Easter. And can I just ask you one more question with our heads still bowed? Maybe you're here today and there's been that moment. You've trusted Christ. In fact, for some of you, you've known him for a long time. But if you were honest enough today, you'd say, you know what? Life for me has been out of sync. Life for me, <laughs> I've been out of answers. And maybe you'd be even honest enough to say, you know, my faith has waned and I need to get back to the power of the resurrected Christ that God has promised me. If that's you today, would you just quickly slip up your hand and put it down and say, that's me. Yep, 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 yeah, thank you, thank you, yeah. Just slip it up and put it down. You're honest enough to say, you know what, Billy, that's me. Yeah, thank you. Just slip it up and put it down. That's me today. I'm there. My faith isn't what it should be. I want to get back to where I need to be. Easter gives you that opportunity. Oh, Father, thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you that the power of Resurrection Sunday is promised to those who believe and call on your name. Man, we thank you for that. And we give you all the praise. And it is in your name that we pray all these things. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Amen.